So I suppose I know you um, as the Instagram account at Carnivore is Vegan, um, but I know that that's not who you are <laughs> in terms of real life. So um, who, who, who are you? Where, how did you sort of come to be so interested, I suppose, in animal agriculture and the way that it's portrayed or viewed and seen? Yeah, uh, so my name's Carrie. I live on a farm in Northern California and we raise chickens, pigs, turkeys, cows, and geese at this point. But that was a later development. We just moved here about six months ago. I was interested in sort of the anti-vegan pro-animal agriculture long before that and started getting more and more into not appreciating the vegan stance before I moved here. So that was sort of the anti-vegan stance was one of the reasons why we moved to the farm. The other is that we want to have food security with COVID and we're not sure what's going to happen in the future. And Josh, my uh, partner, he moved, he grew up on this farm and his dad's getting older and hard, it's getting harder and harder to take care of. So we decided that with all the, that combined that we would move to the farm and the family farm and start to take over with so that you know when he can't then we already can and <laughs> we already have taken it so that's sort of where I'm at um, at the moment I was a vegan many years ago uh not recently but it was about 15 years yeah, ago and nice. I pretty much crashed and burned I was a vegan for about a year and I did quote unquote everything right uh, I did vegan junk food really didn't even exist back then and the only vegan meats there were was uh, the Seventh-day Adventist fake meats that I wasn't even aware of. So, I, and I was in it for health. And so I didn't even know that there was vegan junk food. Like that didn't even occur to me to eat vegan junk food. It wouldn't have occurred to me to eat, to find Doritos or Little Debbie snack crackers that were vegan, because that would have been counter to the entire concept of doing it for health you know so I know I did everything right I took supplements I read all the books I read all the gurus I was very into health I'm a nurse I'm a registered nurse and so I can do research I knew how to do it right and I did it quote unquote right after a year I had anemia so bad that I ended up having to take care of that for years before I finally got my iron levels up and that culminated in having many, many, many intravenous therapies, actually intravenous iron therapy to finally get that taken care of. And I ended up with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And over the years, I just, you know, I've thought about that, but it kind of culminated in the last couple of years from to be an anti-vegan perspective because the vegans just have all they have is logical fallacies and they don't really have any good arguments and the health argument isn't a good argument because it's not healthy. Yeah, because I've, I've seen the anti-vegan argument sort of on the grounds of health from numerous places. I've tried veganism a couple of times, um, first in my sort of late teens when doctors told me that that was a silly idea um, and then later sort of um, a couple of years ago. The reason I became vegan was the idea that you know, by not eating animals, you therefore don't harm any animals. Um, and obviously, um, looking at your Instagram account, it, I think I know that you know a lot more about that than me. <laughs> um, I would say that that there are almost no circumstances could you ever envision, could you ever create an actual 
vegan diet where you didn't harm animals and massive amounts of animals. I mean, not just some animals, but like massive, 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 gigantic amounts of animals are being harmed with vegan diets. Is that just the way it is? Um, uh, and I'm not for, I'm not familiar with Britain, but you know, in, in the United States, it's definitely really bad. But I, I'm not familiar with other places in the world. They could be better, but I can't imagine any. I can't even envision any diet unless it's like hermetically sealed indoor vertical farming that you could not harm animals. And even then, you're probably having to get outside inputs that are harming animals. Yeah, I think ironically in the UK, we're, we're sort of in the same boat when it comes to veganism and that a lot of vegan food is either mass-produced vegetables or mass-produced sort of grains um, or is very pre-packaged. We do have quite a lot of really well-looked-after um, animal agriculture. You know, there's lots of open farmland and sort of farming done the right way you know so veganism is the answer versus that sort of like farming is bad i suppose rubs especially the wrong way when there's not really the large scale agriculture that we necessarily see elsewhere in the world here yeah so it's a it's a little ironic that in the uk veganism i think is even more popular than in the us because you do have that really good uh animal agriculture that the U.S. doesn't have. And all the arguments really stem from the factory farming that's done mainly in the U.S. and to some degree in Canada and a little bit in Britain. I've heard that there's some factory farms that are, that factory farming is getting more popular in Britain, but it's still a very small percentage. So ironically, Brits seem to be more, somewhat even more passionate than your, than, uh, than they do here in the United States when your animal agriculture is much better than ours. Yeah, I think that, that, that's quite possibly true. I think that there is something to be said about the difference in the size of, of the two countries in terms of um, the way that food production works. Um, but I think when you talk about the, the harm caused to animals from vegetable agriculture, from that sort of the opposite side of things, from a vegan diet, I don't necessarily think that there's a huge understanding of that. I think that people think that, I mean, no vegan thinks that they're causing harm by not eating animals. There is this sort of disconnect between the food that we eat and how it's produced. And I think that disconnect seems to be much easier to achieve when there isn't a, a living being directly involved sort of on your plate itself. Um, is that your experience in terms of talking to vegans about the way that the diet actually works in terms of how it's grown and the death that is involved in that. Yeah, um, I think we're, like you said, we're just so disconnected from our food these days. And the hotspots of vegans are, for instance, in your country, in, in the UK, it would be London. Uh, people in the countryside aren't as vegan as Londoners. And the Londoners have less access to and experience with growing food. Of, of either animal agriculture or plant agriculture. And in the US, most of our animal agriculture, uh, sorry, most of our agriculture in general is factory farmed, including plants. So most people have never seen, for instance, even a harvest done, let alone, you know, an animal being slaughtered. So it, we're disconnected from both. However, like you said, people see, okay, there's no animal on my plate, there's nothing harmed. But if they were to go out, you know, and there's quite a, there's quite a few people out there, a lot of ex-vegans 
who they became ex-vegans because they tried to farm their own food and they went whoa like i can't do this without hurting animals so i may as well you know kill a cow that is going to give me food for a year rather than kill 400 slugs to get 200 calories of lettuce you talk about um, the sort of the the, the the hundreds of slugs um, and I think that's one of the things that I hadn't really considered before necessarily coming across your Instagram account is that the idea that it's the the number of lives not necessarily just which uh-huh. one's the cutest and and the argument from vegans is very it's very inconsistent and that's kind of what I try to point out is that they're they're very unrealistic so they say for instance that they're not speciesist which means, and I'll go over speciesism just a little bit, vegans like to say that they're not speciesist, which means that they put all animal lives equal. But then you say, you know, you're killing 400 million insects, and they're like, well, insects don't count. (laughs) It's like, well, then you're speciesist. You just draw the line at a different spot. So, you know, they're saying don't kill animals, (laughs) but killing insects is all right. When really insects are at the base of our of our ecosystems as well. So one of the things, and and let me go over a little bit, just kind of the ways that animals are killed in in plant agriculture, because like you said, it's very, we're very disconnected from it. So people may not even know what we're really talking about if they were to listen to this. So let's just start with the soil, like how soil is fertilized. Soil is fertilized by animal manure generally, unless it's by synthetics. And I don't think there's big synthetic companies in the UK, where in the US, big companies are probably using more synthetic fertilizers. But let's let's take uh, organic agriculture, because a lot of vegans will say, well, I, I eat organic, so that makes it so I'm not killing anything. Well, yeah, you still are. So there's organic, just starting from the soil, if you're on an organic farm, they're using animal manure, they're using blood and bone meal, and fish meal. And that's just the soil. You're you're killing tons of animals just to fertilize. Then there's um, pesticides, and yes, even organic uh, agriculture uses pesticides. They just happen to use organic pesticides. I had a vegan doctor tell me that he uses diatomaceous earth in his garden that doesn't kill anything. Well, that's actually like throwing shards of glass down for the slugs and snails. So it's actually like they it rips them apart piece by piece. Um, if you use ladybugs, which is another way of using non-pesticide way of killing pests, the ladybugs, they pluck them from the wild and they will release them in a greenhouse or your garden in order to eat aphids alive. You know, that's what they're doing. They're eating them alive. Um there's just so many ways. I mean, half the world still uses animal agriculture, uses animal labor for agriculture. So they're using animals to to plow. They're using animals to harvest your plants. Uh, they're using, for instance, in rice fields, they're using tens of thousands of ducks to eat the slugs and to do weeding for them. So in two ways, you're getting death there. Uh, because they're they're exploiting animals and they're having the slugs and snails eaten by the ducks and the in and the insects that land on the surface of the water because the insects are attracted by the water. There's 
for instance, in the almond fields in here in California, California produces 80% of the world's almonds, and those require commercial pollination. And there's a hundred billion, something like a hundred billion bees are used, exploited. These are commercial bees that are trucked around the country just to pollinate the almond fields. But then those bees get used all through their whole the whole season. So those bees are taken, it starts out in California, they're pulled out of hibernation two months early, and then they go to, for instance, blueberry fields in Washington, and then they go to the apple fields in Washington, then they go to the cranberry fields in Maine, and just all around the country, everything, basically most tree fruits, melons, brassicas, almonds, nuts, walnuts are all pollinated by honeybees. And in the U.S. and different parts of the world, they're commercial bees that are trucked around. They're not wild bees. People think, you know, they're just, oh, sure, they need pollination, but they just get them from wild bees. But that's not the case. We see plant agriculture as being the solution because there are no animals on our plate. But at the same time, we don't necessarily understand how uh, uh, how much care goes into support, supporting those animals and giving them a good life if you're using your money to buy from the right places. But also that you're not killing a cow every time you have a burger, which is the rhetoric. Right. Like, like shrimp, you would be shrimp. If you had a plate of shrimp, you'd be taking 20 lives. But if you had a cow, you can eat about a year. One person, if you ate exclusively a cow, you could have enough calories to eat for just about a year. And, and I've seen the argument that that doesn't necessarily stack up because obviously the cow needs to eat grains. Um, but from in my experience, obviously, again, I'm, I'm in Britain and we have lots of open farmlanders, but actually... The majority of cows in, in, in our country don't eat grains. They're not in feedlots. They're, they're on grass. Most of the time they're on grass that wouldn't be able to be used to grow crops. They're on grazing land that wouldn't necessarily be suitable for crop production. Um, how does that compare to, to the US? Well, actually, there's a um, misconception in the US that animals are raised on feedlots. And that is true for chickens and pigs. Chickens and pigs are raised on feedlots from birth to death. But for cows, which is my argument that cattle are the most ethical food, partially because they're so large and they provide so many calories, but also partially because of the way that they're raised. And there's a great book called uh, Defending Beef by a lady named Nicolette Hahn Neiman. And she actually wrote the book while she was still vegetarian. She's not vegetarian anymore, but she was vegetarian for about 20 years. And she was a, and maybe still is, I'm not sure, she's a environmental lawyer. And she actually toured feedlots around the country and was looking for water quality. So she got to know intimately all the feedlots in the US and toured them and she began to see that beef was the most ethical, partially because our feedlots are way better for cattle, but that cattle are actually raised on, are raised being grazed most of their life, except for the last 90 to 120 days where they're fed grains. So yes, cattle and, sorry, uh, chicken and chicken and pigs are raised all their lives on a feedlot. They're in cramped quarters. It's not very good conditions. I think, you know, most people should not eat those foods because they're somewhat unethical. You know, I don't think that animals should be pushed into cramped quarters and live on concrete their whole life. And it's not good for us, I don't think. 
because you know we don't want to just eat animals that have fed, been fed grain we want them eating wild grasses and things like that but in the united states everyone thinks that cattle are also raised that way and that's just not not the case cattle are raised on basically mom and pop farms like our farm that's just you know we just have a few acres and uh what happens is the they're called cow calf pairs so mothers have babies and they're usually not done by artificial insemination like vegans think they're done they're just we have a bull and it the bull services the the cows that are out here and the cows get pregnant and they all have babies and then we have so right now on our farm we have six cow calf pairs so we have six mothers and six babies and we just had a we we borrow we borrowed a bull for a few months and gave him back to his owner who takes care of him. And so we don't have a bull on the property all year long and they just graze grass until the babies and they're, we are, our babies are six months old right now, seven months old, and they're still nursing. They're, you know, with their mothers and they won't be taken away from their mothers until we sell them at auction, which we have an auction yard about a half an hour drive from us where they go to a feedlot and they're grained for 60 to 90 days before slaughter, once they're adults. So they're actually already weaned. They're already adults. They're adult size. They're about, you know, maybe 18, 20 years old in human years. So they're fully grown. They've been with their mother. They're finally taken away from their mother and sold at auction where they're grained for 60 to 90 days. So they're not living their whole lives on a feedlot. And actually, we grain our own cows. We do grain-fed cows but we keep them on our property. So they're still with their mothers. They're still grazing on grass while they're getting grained. But we do that. We have a kind of specialty niche where we decide we have the facilities that we can do that. And we actually get our grain as 100% waste from a local mill. So we don't have grains that are grown for our cows while we're doing that. But that's the misconception in U.S. agriculture for cattle is that they're also grown on a feedlot, and that's not the case. As veal, but we don't eat very much veal, so there's this misconception that, you know, all these cattle are just shot in the head at two months old after being taken away from their mother at birth and being made into veal, but we don't eat, we, you know, the most countries don't eat much veal anymore, so we just don't do that. We, we've got a similar misconception here, I think, when it comes to, to lamb, but there is this sort of idea that when we eat what we, we consider to be lamb or, you know, when we're eating beef, that we're eating these 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 helpless babies um, rather than eating giant animals that feed a human being for, for an entire year. What do you think the answer is? Obviously, um, there's there's a lot of marketing um, and a lot of push to, to go vegan or to try veganism as an answer. Um, and a lot of that is, I suppose, a result of the fact that it's easy to 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 convince people to go vegan and actually there's a lot of big business in veganism you know you, you can market a product as being vegan but animal agriculture doesn't necessarily work like that um unless you're talking about those big industrial feeding places that that we want actually to avoid yeah yeah i mean Go on that on that level, like it's easy to go to a farm and say, "Okay, can I have that cow?" <laughs> and <laughs> I, I like the way you do things. You're taking care of the cows. I want that cow, and I'll eat a whole year on that cow. But like you said, um, you'd have to call hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of farms, and you may not even be able to find the supply chain 
because that supply chain may go back to, for instance, like you said, you know, some random farm using coconut using slave monkeys to have coconuts and how would you ever find that out you you just couldn't and if you were to eat just local in britain i mean you your diet through the winter would be so bland you'd end up with i think you guys grow some lentils there you have lots of potatoes you could eat potatoes all year um cabbage you know you you'd have to do a lot of root vegetables because that's what you'd have to store over the winter. You'd have to dry things and to, you know, like lentils, you'd have to dry them, which would be fine. But your diet would be, have very little fresh in it, except for maybe from some greenhouses. And there are probably some vertical farms that do that. But your your diet would be very little fresh, except some root vegetables that were kept from months before. So there's no way you could eat local in the climates that we're living in. Even where I am, I'm in Northern California where it's, you know, it's temperate. We get very little snow here where I am. We're at about 1,500 feet, but we couldn't eat much fresh at all here, even in California, because it just doesn't grow. It, things don't grow in the wintertime. They just don't. Very, very little. There are some things. One of the interesting things about your account is the idea, I suppose it's really summed up in the name of your, your Instagram account, that, that carnivore is vegan. And the idea being that as I suppose sold to me on a number of occasions, veganism isn't a diet, it's an ideology, it's a it's a it's an ethics code, a, a sort of a, a, a pledge to, to do as little harm as you possibly can. Um, is, is that a fair summation of your sort of stance on the carnivore diet versus yeah. a vegan diet? Yes. So yes and, and no, it's sort of tongue in cheek just because, you know, everybody knows, everybody thinks that veganism is eating, is not eating animal products. And really no, most people, if you're not vegan, you don't think that it's an ethical stance. It's just not eating animal products. And they agree with that on some level too, because like you said, on the food products, they say that they're vegan. So it's kind of a contradiction in terms that they say it's not a diet, but of course, if you don't, if you eat animals, if you, if you think that you're doing the least harm, but you're eating animal products, then you're not vegan. So it's a bit of a contradiction that they say it's a lifestyle stance because you can do more harm eating non-animal products for sure there's many ways that you could do it so the reason that i came up with the moniker carnivores vegan is just reading the definition of veganism from the vegan society is like you said it's doing the least harm so there's many many cultures that that ate animal products but they don't have any other choices either so for instance are the inuit they're, I would consider them vegan because they're doing the least harm. They are eating animals from nose to tail. A lot of times they're eating very large animals, so they're doing little actual death. They're not killing off, you know, 400,000 shrimp a year. They're killing off, you know, a whale and a few seals for their entire tribe. Um, and I would consider that vegan. They're not even raising them on farms. So the the vegan society definition at least it used to be they changed it very very recently and i don't want to say it's because of my account but it's coincidental that they did that about less than a year after my account got started and i started telling everyone that they're vegan when they're eating animal products if they're ethical 
but it you they used to say that it was basically do the least harm that it was whatever you could do i, I should read the definition okay. veganism is a philosophy and way of living which seeks to exclude as far as possible and practicable all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food clothing or any other that was their original definition for many years that i came up with the carnivore is vegan um, moniker from and if you think about it that doesn't exclude animals using animals in any way it just means that you think that you're doing the best that you possibly can for the animals on the planet and there's a very good possibility that you could eat animals and do less harm than being a vegan diet and i argue that most people probably do i, I don't know the numbers completely but I can say that even eating grain-fed beef, 85% of what what cows eat, what most animals that are in the United States eat, is not fit for human consumption. So they're only getting, for instance, the grains that they do get are only 13% what would be useful for human consumption. So they're not being grown for them. They're just waste byproducts of grains. For instance, the animals that we have to feed grains, we are using 100% waste from a mill that is literally just the junk that they scrape up off the floor that would go into a landfill if we didn't use it. So we're turning landfill waste that would otherwise go into the trash into bacon. Like, how cool is that? Why is that unethical? The argument, again, that, that I've had with, with vegan friends is that but that animal still doesn't want to die um, and you're still taking its life early. Do you think that animals would have a nicer, um, longer, safer life um, if they weren't farmed for consumption? What happens to the animals that they're killing? You know, they just, that, that argument implies that they aren't killing animals and doing that also. So it, and then you say, well, you do that too. What is what is the alternative to doing that? The alternative is the only alternative is either do it purposefully or do it indiscriminately. And they're making it sound as though that the choices are purposefully or not at all. And that's not the case. So they're making an, a disingenuous, untrue argument that implies that they're not killing also. It's sort of a Sophie's choice. You don't have an alternative. So which do you choose? Why are you morally superior for killing your three-year-old child over your five-year-old child? There is no moral superiority over that. There is no moral superiority for killing one person on the one trolley track over the other person on the other trolley track. So they're making it sound as though there's a moral superior choice where you don't have to choose to kill animals, and you don't. There, There is not that choice. You know, we don't know how many animals they're killing on these farms to know that you're killing one rabbit or 20 rabbits for the same amount of calories. You just don't know. But I can I can guess that they would be killing more from many reasons. Like, for instance, just go ahead and try and grow some kale in your in your greenhouse, in, in your yard or your greenhouse at home and see how many of those little caterpillars you get on one head of kale. You might have a hundred over the season. You can keep picking them off. If you if you continue to let the kale live, you will get more and more and more and more of these little caterpillars. Um, yeah, I think you're right in that there's a lot of 
unknowns in that plant production that I think me um, as well as everybody else um, probably hasn't really thought about before. It's not necessarily the the death that appears in reports where it's studied or it is tracked. Actually there's a lot of death in plant production that we just don't know about. Right. Right. And and they may be uh, pregnant deer. They may be pregnant rabbits. You know, they say that you're ending a life early, but you may be ending hundreds of lives earlier than we do eating them. We don't know. We have no idea because you're just killing indiscriminately. So my one of my arguments is that I would rather kill purposefully and intentionally a certain number that I know how many I'm killing rather than just kill indiscriminately and have no idea how many I'm killing. I think that's an amazing line. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else that we haven't had a chance to sort of touch on or cover that you wanted to, to record for, for the audience? Um, I don't know. There's just so many aspects of it that, you know, I would just say, like, if I had to give one thing to say to anybody listening to this is just know how your food is produced. Like, maybe take a farm, do a farm internship on an, on an organic farm and learn what they use for fertilizers, learn what they use as pesticides, learn how they do pest control. Pest control in the U.S. for farms is a billions of billions of billions of dollar business. If you look on studies, it's been studied by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of studies, how to kill gophers, how to kill uh, those moths and go and caterpillars that are on your kale, when to kill them, how many times to kill them a year, <laughs> how many how ways to kill pigs. There's a hundred in the U.S. Uh, wild pigs are a huge problem, and for there was a, a site on Instagram this morning where they're getting attacked by vegans because they showed someone with a, a a pile of maybe 100 or 120 wild pigs that they had killed. Well, why are they killing them? They're not killing them for fun. They're killing them because they're ruining crops. So the vegans are attacking these people and trying to shut down their account for showing animals that have been killed. But the irony is that they have no clue that these animals have been killed to protect their food. And I think that's 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 the weird thing, isn't it? Is that we we have that idea that it just it's okay and it just appears here. But actually, if you walk around your local area in the autumn when there are apples on the trees, you'll realise that things in the wild, fruit in the wild, vegetables in the wild, doesn't last long enough for humans to get their hands on it if it's not poisonous. That's... Yeah, we had uh, we grew we have a peach tree, just a single peach tree, and we had so many peaches that were uh, infested by birds or insects, you know, they were eaten halfway by birds or insects to send a farm couldn't have sent half of what we ended up eating to a grocery store. So there would have been much more waste uh, because (laughs) things eat them and farmers have to do something about that or not make any money. So that would be my kind of takeaway is learn intimately how food is produced and I bet you come away with a different philosophy on how how life must continue or not continue for you to get your food it's not it's not black and white and it's not I don't think there is an answer of what is the most ethical 
di uh, most ethical diet. I think that there's pros and cons of every diet and it has to be where you live and what animals you're eating versus what plants you're eating. And there is the possibility that you could have a veganic farm and not kill any animals, potentially, but you'd lose, you're not making money off of that property that's going to be just, you know, you're a wealthy person, like, for instance, Fully Raw Christina, who is a vegan, raw vegan influencer who bought, who comes from a wealthy family and bought a huge property in Hawaii, where she's talking about, you know, she talks about we need to rewild the animals on farms, yet she took a bulldozer to this giant, you know, acre acreage that she bought and is bulldozing habitats for animals. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I could literally talk to you all day, um, but I know that you've got actual important things to do, like looking after your animals that you do the things. Um, yeah, 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 situation at home with the, the farm sounds like the absolute dream. Um, and I hope one day I can I can follow in those same footsteps. Um, but at the moment, I'll stick to volunteering on the farm and uh, looking after the four chickens that I can fit in my back garden. <laughs> it's been great and good luck with your university project.